0: It's all very well talking about being real, showing up real, having authentic conversations online and offline, but hey, could we do with a few tips on how? Yes we could. Hello, I'm Trisha Lewis. This is the Make It Real podcast, and I will be talking to very real people who've had very real experience, mistakes, and everything, and they will be giving you those tips. So, stay tuned. I have, um, right in front of me here, in all his glory, in a fabulous setting actually, fascinating things, including a skull on the table behind him. I have Peter John Cooper, who, apart from being a very long-term friend of mine, and someone who has been my director and very much part of my theatre world, Well, he's a poet and he's a playwright, and that will do. He said himself, he doesn't really like any fancy terminology, so let's leave it at that. But he's a ruddy good one, I I will add that. So, um, hello, Peter.
1: Hello, Tricia. How lovely to talk to you on this Monday morning.
0: Yes. Quite sunny,
1: isn't it? So, makes it a lot of difference. Is it sunny where you are?
0: Yes, it's sunny where I am, which is about ten minutes down the road from you. (laughs)
1: It's a miracle. The weather is very very variable in these parts. It it
0: can be. Between westbourne and southbourne, (laughs) Southbourne. so many things can change. (laughs) So, listen, um, I'm going to tell you, listeners, I have three things written down on my notepad here, three things that Peter uh, said he'd like to talk about when I invited him on to be a guest, which is thrilling. And I'm going to tell you what those three things are, and then we're just going to start talking about them, Okay. Number one, the artist's place in the universe. Number two, collaboration and negotiation. Number three, the new world we are confronted with. If you don't want to carry on listening, then carry on and <laughs> do something else. But honestly, we, I, I can't, we can't help them, can we, Peter? Uh,
1: well, I don't know. I, I would urge you to stay with it for a bit because I do... Um, understand I have spoken to people in the commercial world and the business world and I've had a business myself um, and theater uh, is is a business. Uh, apparently at the moment we're urged to think of it as an industry. So I, I hope that something in what I say is of relevance and Maybe we'll kickstart some thinking uh, Mm. and and we'll get you all kind of just maybe thinking in a slightly different way uh, may give you an an entry into a a new phase of your business.
0: Yeah, I like that. We like I like shaking brains up. And um, yeah, there's a total synergy. Synergy, good word, just thought I'd throw that in. Um, so let's, let's get going with number one, okay? The artists. This is, you know, there's a lot of talk at the moment, obviously, about the arts. We're recording this during... I'm not, do you know, when I first started saying we're recording this during the um, COVID-19 pandemic, I thought that would be a short, naively, I didn't think I'd still be saying it now. But anyway, I am. We're recording this during that pandemic. So there's a lot of talk at the moment from, uh, you know, in terms of hashtag save the arts. So let, let's, let but let's just go back a few steps. The artist's place in the universe, Peter. Well, uh,
1: yeah. And, and this this is something, if, if I, if you don't mind, I'll just, go back a little way into my life I'm uh, uh, I, I'm just passed over my <laughs> past my 70th birthday uh, which means I've been working in the arts in theater for over 50 years now because so I started when I was 18 uh, and I've been a writer since I was about 21. Uh, so, and I realized uh, quite recently that I didn't really know what I'd been doing all that time, uh, why I'd been doing it. So, I've been um, embarked on a cu- couple of projects really to try and understand what it was I'd been up to, how I fitted into the world. Uh, and there's always been in the past a slight air of embarrassment about working in the arts because uh, you're not actually doing a proper job. Uh, I'm very conscious of that because I come from a family uh, of very practical people. My father was a blacksmith. My father before him was a blacksmith could make anything out of anything um, extraordinary. Um, And uh, during the war, my... Dad made a, a, a tractor out of two Model T Ford cars welded together. I mean, that sort of practical improvisation um, is, well, the improvisation part is has come through to me. It, it's the practicality. I don't have it. These are the hands of a mad circus clown to, quote, I think is Marty Feldman. Uh, they they don't do anything. I can't even put up a shelf uh, without it falling down again. So I have a, I have a uh, a slight embarrassment about working with the arts, but that's that's that. I I've always done it, and I've always felt that there was some reason why I did it, even though I didn't understand it at the time. Um, but it, it's it's occurred to me that the artistic endeavor is actually how you measure a culture if, if an, an archaeologist digging up uh, graves from the past will be measuring the level of civilization of a culture from the the artistic endeavors that that they they find uh, buried in graves or hidden in fields. Um, and, um, you know, if we go back to the, the very earliest artistic endeavors, um, cave paintings, which are found all over the world in enormous sophistication. Before, uh, whilst people were still hunter-gatherers, um, before civilization as we define it as living in cities was a fact uh, there was these artistic endeavors, and that's how we identify can look at can quantify a civilization so more recently i've begun to think of myself as as a as a practical um A way of reflecting what's going on in the world around and maybe in uh, a thousand years time um, somebody will find one of my play scripts and be able to read it probably not because it would be on some prehistoric um, digital format that they won't have any way of reading but it um, so i am not saying that i'm doing anything of historic importance but i'm part of the way in which society civilization expresses itself and can be identified
0: right and i i'm i'm this is great because i i meant to say this actually before we started i watched a documentary last night um called drama in a time of crisis
1: and it's actually
0: it's a you you need to watch it and i would recommend it highly it was on bbc four and it's it was a documentary charting the life of play for today which was a thing yeah yes Absolutely. So in that, Play for Today was such, I mean, oh, please. I just kept thinking, please, would the BBC be like this? Please, would it not have been interfered with by all that? Yeah, um, because it, it was, you know, um, uh, Mike Lee, Ken Loach, um, you name it. They they were the really, popular. really gritty yeah. stuff. And it was charming. So I looked at this last night. It was the 70s, which, of course you know, it was huge for me anyway, that's when I was growing up and becoming a teenager and, and all the rest of it. So, but honestly, it, the chart, the, 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 it was daring, it was really brave stuff. And um, I mean, people will know some of them like Abigail's party, but there was, there was the Leeds United, you know, about the strike uh, of the, the women in the factory. It's it just, it, it was, oh, wow. Um, and so I just thought i'd interject with that because what you're saying you know about charting the, the culture through periods of time yeah really crucial and and I think um,
1: and, and there's another side to that so so um, after a lifetime of not really valuing my own work uh, I've kind of seen a bit of how it fits into the world and uh, you know how I I might have been doing something of some use um, which is how I would explain myself to my dad if it was here to hear me. It's all right, I've done something useful. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, I mean yeah anyway.
0: um, no, I think, I think that's, that's, not, that's, that's definitely not a throwaway comment because, because that will apply to a lot of people listening to this. Yeah. In what, whatever they're doing, there, there is often a bit of baggage somewhere that says, this wasn't what I was... I mean, I wasn't yeah. supposed to be doing anything that I've done. I was, yeah. I, was, I was sent to a really expensive public school to marry a really rich person and um, be a lovely housewife and stuff. Um, so I, I really messed up. Um, so, you know, yeah, there, there will be... <laughs> I, we,
1: we, I, yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole. No, let's hole. not go down
0: that. Road. But I think, but there, even it's not just in the arts; it's in all sorts of things. There will be these little niggly bits where you think, "Is this really? Is this really of any use in, yeah. the, in the universe?" And it's. Yeah.
1: it's um, we we were talking a little while ago about um 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 um. um, 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 um
0: Yeah, and that. Yeah, and then we (laughs) talked about
1: that. Uh, uh, Syndrome. Um, Imposter syndrome. Oh, right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it's not... uh, I've I've never had that. I've never suffered from imposter syndrome because I've always known that what I was doing was what I did. I didn't feel I had to defend it. I only had to defend, uh, or if I had to defend... Was the value of it? Uh, well, was it, um, it? You know, did it actually contribute anything to the world? Yeah. And uh, l- looking back, I mean, it's not really. Uh, it, it's not really for me to say whether anything I've done has contributed anything to the world. But I've, I've, I had to do it. I woke up each morning and thought, I have to do this, this work. Uh, it, and in the times when I've uh, had to go and work in a shop or be a driver or something like that, it's it's never taken away from that idea that this this is what I do, this is how I attempt to contribute. In other words, to reflect the world around and to try and reflect it back to people, uh, so that they they can join my journey in in some sort of understanding of the world.
0: Yeah, and I and I don't think that I think it would be quite a useful exercise for anybody to consider what they do um, through that lens. Actually, so that that's a really good start. So, because I know that there's a danger that we could talk for approximately three weeks, um, let's move it's on.
1: Do it. Edit. <laughs>
0: It will come out. In the edit, end. edit, <laughs> edit. Um, let's move on. Honestly, uh, Peter and I have had some fascinating conversations over many years, and um, like I said before, he has directed me as an actor, and that is another thing that I have learnt, which is completely trans tran- transferable um, into the world of obviously us taking coaching and feedback and all perspectives and all the rest of it, because it's. Um, it's a huge growth journey, and uh, peace has been, been part of my growth journey. Anyway, let's move on quickly um, to number two, which is collaboration and negotiation. There's, there's, there's a, a
1: theatre, which, which has been my life, is totally a collaborative process. Um, uh, and as a writer... I contribute maybe a third to the. Uh, I contribute the, the recipes to the rest of the people who are involved in the process. Um, so uh, there's designers, directors, um, producers, and actors, all making their contribution. So so. Uh, you have to be aware that uh, you are only providing part of the picture and um, not become deverish about it. So there's a third me, a third the rest of the theatre process, all putting in, and a third, which is the audience, the people who are watching and contributing because they, um, the the finished product is as much the choices that audiences make. For instance, if you're watching Hamlet uh, on the stage, you can, you will look, you will choose where to look on the stage as an audience. You will, uh, and quite often you will be looking at S- somebody in the background uh, you you know you, you you're not necessarily looking at the person speaking you're looking at somebody else which is why we talk about uh, making sure that that everybody on stage is reacting is within the moment there's none of this just idling about at the back of the stage um, everything is is there and it's up to the audience to focus on which part of the picture they want to see. And they will also follow a particular thread through the story. Um, and they they might find that they have sympathy for Gertrude. So they will follow Gertrude's thread or Ophelia, Ophelia's thread, um, e- even though the story is about Hamlet. So the, the audience, are the the essential third. So what you have to do, one of the things that you have to understand as uh, a writer or as a director is that you're only contributing so much. You're only contributing a third. But you've got to have confidence that the bit you're responsible for is properly worked out and that the bits that are important you are able to negotiate that that, that is what happens is that you don't go off into some mishmash of of uh, other ideas so the the collaborative uh, element is is what other people put in the negotiating element is the way you work your way through, and uh, in, in order to achieve the emotional picture that you want, that you have spent a year devising for your audience. So um, you've got to be confident in what you've done in order to negotiate that through. But you've got to be aware of the other collaborative inputs. Uh, and I think this is absolutely bang on with business practice. And um, we we, uh, we really have to understand the collaborative bits, the negotiating bits, and how in the end somebody has to have Uh, a vision a strong vision of of what your customer what your audience is is going to receive um the way you get there uh may be completely at variance with what you thought but we'll get there in the end and we'll get to there's two interesting ideas that i'm going to give you here which is from one from, or both from physics actually, Uh, and and one is called, uh, let let me give you an image, the mountain stream. Um, A stream running down a mountain encounters rocks and boulders and the, the stream Goes round boulders and goes round rock, and the path down the mountain is entirely random. Uh, but at the bottom, there is a stream running down to the sea, and the 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 spring, the water flowing down the mountain, will inevitably meet the stream and go go down to the sea there is one outcome um and the one outcome is a a, a, you know a sort of an emergent property um and uh, minute say that again that last bit there is one war is it's an emergent property the the thing the thing the outcome emerges from what's happened on the way but there is a, a, a a set Uh, a set outcome. It's called a creod, uh, which comes from the Greek meaning a necessary path. So you follow this path down, it goes always in all sorts of random ways, but then arrives at the point at which it goes on. So have I... Explain yes. That, yes, you have. You. Well,
0: I've I've done a I've done a doodle. You've done a me. diagram. I've, I've done a yeah. diagram. Um, I, I've so, waved my arms about. Uh, it. No, you waved your arms about. I um, I doodled a stream um, <laughs> going to the sea. Uh, so I, I think uh, everything's very clear. No, th- go on. Um, and I'm going to give you another you,
1: example, on. a different one. Go on. Which is a bar of chocolate. All right, a bar of Cadbury's Dairy Milk, which we all enjoy, and you know when you um, uh, or whoever might sponsor this video, you know, Galaxy or Yorkie Bar. Um, you you know that the whole aim is to is to make lovely, smooth, delicious chocolate. Um, and um, if you put it on the windowsill, it will melt. Or Become soft. So you put it back in the fridge and when you get it out of the fridge, it's re-solidified, but it's solidified in a different way. It's become gritty and crunchy and the white milk solids have emerged on the surface. And uh, what has happened is that the whole bar of chocolate has changed because the crystalline structure of the sugar and the milk has changed, has transformed and you can't put it back again. Once it's in that stage, it can't go back. So in the collaborative process, it's like a bar of chocolate that melts is that sometimes the inputs into the collaboration are such that the outcome is different from (laughs) entirely different from the inputs. Um, And so my two images, the mountain stream, the output is inevitable. The bar of chocolate, the output is not inevitable and is different does does that make and and so we've got as, as, as collaborators and negotiators we've got to be aware of those two things now have i got such a vision that we're going to arrive however we arrive at it we're going to arrive at my vision or are we going to be prepared to come out somewhere completely different and have a completely different crystal structure for whatever we produce.
0: I... Uh, th- th- no, no, this makes complete sense. <laughs> oh, <does> it? i kind of...
1: I thought I'd lost it in the middle
0: there. <laughs> no, complete sense, complete sense. Whilst you are talking, uh, you know, in... This is... By the way, uh, listeners, this is a great example of using analogies and metaphors and all that the last <laughs> seriously. Honestly, um, I mean, it just makes it so much easier, I think, to grasp. I mean,
1: I mean the, the, the real, the real cue, <laughs> the real thing about using metaphors is make sure you've got them sorted out before you use them. Yes, <laughs> I think that's important. Don't try and wing it.
0: <laughs> don't wing a metaphor. No, definitely not. But I think, you know, I'm collaborating uh, currently, and um, I went in... Yeah, I absolutely get this because I have a sort of vision, if you like, a kind of ethos for the thing that I'm I, I'm producing. It's an event. Um, I am not I'm not daft enough to have thought I could do this all on my own. I knew that there was going to be it was going to be much better. Um, like we've collaborated on stuff, you know, with with someone else, and so. In comes someone else. And at that point, part of you thinks, well, I don't want to completely lose the sort of ethos of what this is about. Um, but I actually want to see what happens when we brainstorm and go through some random routes uh, with this other person's perspective and input. And actually, if some of that is a slightly different um, outcome to where I was saying, that that could be good, but equally, and this is the point, I think, for people out there to bear in mind, you can't, you can't just say, oh, let's collaborate. And then you sit there and y- you sort of go along with every single bit of input. And then six months down the line, you're feeling bitter and twisted because you, you didn't, you didn't keep a hold of something that you should have done and you didn't negotiate that sort of part of it.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it that, that is the danger of collaboration is that you lose Bit, that's where you've got to have confidence in what you're contributing to the collaboration and that you are happy with the negotiated process by which you either arrive more or less where you wanted to be or that you're happy that you've love gone it. off into a different no,
0: direction. I, I, I absolutely love that. That That is... That is um... Good, that is good, that is well good, Peter. That That is well good. good. Okay. Um, And also, I think, um, no, don't, Tricia, because the zip, right. Okay. Um, (laughs) Moving on. I mean, to be fair, it would be a bit like an actor saying to a director, no, I'm sorry, this is my vision. (laughs) This is my vision. This is how I'm going to play this character. And the director's saying, can we try it this way? No, I'm sorry, I've worked this out, I've read it through, I've learnt my lines. Um, this is the character, this is what I'm going to wear, that's it. You think, oh, my God, how, how bad would that be? You know, that would be seriously bad.
1: So uh, Yeah, I, I mean, that, that is the, the art, if you like. That is the art of all art, is how, how where your kind of bottom line is, where mm-hmm. your digging bit is. Yeah, where your uh, bottom line you is. Say, you do it my way or your sack. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. I think I think that is probably echoing around a few rooms at the moment in the world. But let's <laughs> not go, let's not go there, folks. I just want to read back a quote from Mike Lee on this documentary that I was telling you about. Oh yeah. Because it echoes exactly what you were saying about how the audience, you know, are are their sort of in a kind of collaborative negotiation process and that they're a huge part of it. So we put, he said this, we put the world, life, people on the screen without slogans and the audience has to decide what to make of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In in the end, any, any endeavor, whatever, it depends on uh, the, the audience and what, You know all your customers, absolutely. uh, What they make of it, yeah. uh, But that kind of brings me on to something else, which which is to do with the uh, your awareness of what you want to do and uh, how important you think that is. So. for instance, I'm I've, I've kind of, during lockdown, um, you know, I'm like everybody else. I haven't had any commissions or anything to work on because the people I usually work with have disappeared. Um, but I'm, I'm, so I'm doing things for myself. I'm making little, little videos, little YouTube videos. I love those. Um, and 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 I'm I'm not I'm not worried about what what an audience sees. I'm making it, it for myself. The audience, if they see it and if they like it, that's wonderful. Um, but by doing so, I'm kind of learning something new. I'm a stop fiddling. Um, I'm kind of learning a different way of telling stories and a different way of marketing my stories. Um, for instance, I have this thing where when I wake up in the morning, because of this work ethic thing that I talked about earlier on that derives from competent being surrounded by competent people, um, I feel that it behoves me to produce so much in the day. And I always used to say, I I need to write at least a thousand words in a day. If I write a thousand words, I feel I've achieved something. Whatever I'm writing for, or whatever the outcome is, or whether I scrap those thousand words tomorrow, I still need to produce. It's a kind of a measurable... Thing where, where you can say, oh, well, I've, I've done what I, I need to do today. Uh, now, those, those thousand words can come in a lot of different guises. They can come in little pieces for YouTube. They can come in a whole, um, uh, you know, as part of a, of, a, of a big written work, which I'm working on. Um, one of the great things I know not everybody is a Facebook fan but for me Facebook is is was a real breakthrough as a writer uh, when it came out do, do you remember Facebook mm. originally it had that little box and you could write in it and post it and I discovered that that little box became a sort of a, a, a definition of a, a thinking process. In other words, it became a, a, a poem for me. And I wrote, and I, tend, I write within the little Facebook box. I, I, I always have done, and I still do. And I think it's a wonderful uh, little place to, to learn conciseness and exactness, which is what we don't have, uh, generally. Generally, there are so many places we can, we can write. Um, and I'm, I'm not a great LinkedIn. I know you're all LinkedIn fans, but I, I find LinkedIn is, is a bit odd. I find Twitter is just where you go to be abused by people. Facebook, you you write things. And what's interesting, it, it's like a village notice board. You put it on the board and you leave it and people come to it. It's what I was saying about audiences coming to your work and uh, appreciating it. And... What happens is that you, you, different people will appreciate your work in different ways. So, little thing, I talk about the weather generally. People who know me know my little weather updates every day. Um, and I've got a, a following for that. Now, that's not something I set out to do to gain a following for my little weather updates but that it has emerged in the same way for my YouTube videos. um, I I do little stories or little films, little videos on the YouTube, and they appeal to different groups of people. And I have little little groups of people uh, in little bubbles who respond to my little writings or my little videos Mm. and what i understand from that is there is no longer a mass audience we don't and i think we are mistaken when we try and speak to a mass audience we try and satisfy everybody what you've got to do is to do what you feel you would like to do, or ought to do, and find the audience, or find the, the, the customers for whom that is the, uh, the, the thing. And then you, you grow, your bubble grows out from that point. It, 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 it's this thing, we, we, you, you can never define the future. You can never bet on the future. Well, you can bet on the future, and you can lose quite a lot of money. Don't
0: yeah, absolutely. The, the, no, no. I the,
1: the trick is to is to define what you're doing uh, in such a way that that it becomes. a a unique thing and we all talk about unique selling propositions and quite often the unique selling proposition is we're all fighting for the same space Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we're all trying to do the same thing in the same place what you can do as a creative is create a new space somewhere you didn't expect to go and you just simply find, oh, hello! I've, I've got a little audience here. I've got a i have got I can expand this audience. They are responding in some way. Uh, I think that may be that may be a way of looking at business models in the future. Um, you know, talk, talking about um, uh, fun.
0: Is, is, is this number three, by the way, Peter? This is, is
1: really number three. Number, I've, I've segued have, into number three. Have we seamlessly
0: three. segued? I love it. I love it. <laughs> three, which will be encapsulated within approximately three minutes. Um, the new world we are confronted with, yes. You've just covered one aspect of that.
1: And, and, and I, I think, I'm, so what I've done in, in lockdown is I've learned for various reasons... not not just because of lockdown, but during this period, I've come to the conclusion that there is a different way of doing things. We are in a different space, we are in a different world, and we can, and the world is up for grabs at the moment. People are in such turmoil and tumult. It's the, uh, and I'm sure everybody is is saying that all over the place and I, I don't say it lightly um, and I don't underestimate. I, I'm going to go back to theatre in the 1970s uh, when it was the early part of my career and we were doing stuff and we didn't really care what the outcome was because there was no way of forecasting the outcome. What theatre has become, has become the institutionalized version of what, of the, all the experimental work that was going on in the 1970s. Uh, suddenly, uh, there is a whole way of doing things which refers back to the 1970s. I think, and, and this is a message for all theatre people out there, is that this is the time when we have to get rid of all the old ways of doing things and start again, be revolutionary, do crazy stuff. I can't emphasize how important it is to be crazy. Be crazy, invent new things, find new audiences, new ways of doing things, and... uh, start the culture, be there as the culture shifts and we, we, we can't forecast it, we've no idea where it will be in 30 years but you can bet that stuff that is going to be invented now is going to be the solid uh, institutions of 30 years time
0: I, this is, this, this, and the, Wow, that's actually quite profound listeners, I hope you're still here listeners, come back <laughs> You've made it this far, don't go. Um, And I tell you, this is another one of those episodes that needs listening to. Sorry, sorry,
1: it's it's all in the edit. (laughs) You're mad.
0: If
1: you can get this all down to five minutes, it'll be fine. No,
0: no. Listen, I was going to make a very profound comment there, actually, um, about how often in a time of crisis we um, reach for our comfort blankets um, and that actually counterintuitively... Um, we should be doing almost the opposite. Yes.
1: Yeah. I, why not? You know, uh, I, I mean, if we're going to be out of work anyway, mm. uh, you know, if, if our business is going to go belly up, I mean, I'm not saying it will or it should. I'm just saying... Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It, it you not, know, yeah, and, 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 and I
1: have I have enormous sympathy. I mean I'm talking about theatre again, you know, I have enormous sympathy for people who are kind of struggling trying to make a living out of theatre, which is difficult enough at the best of times. Um, but uh, I I think I I worry when in in theatre terms when we defend theatre, um, by calling it a theatre industry and saying, uh, you know, we must protect the theatre industry. Um, no, I, I get that because there is a theatre industry and a lot of people's jobs depend on it and a lot of um, foreign investment comes in to the theatre industry.
0: But
1: the, the it art is not an industry ha- however much I would want to defend it to my dad it's uh, it's an artistic process and we've got to value the craziness the unhingedness of it and realize that that is it's we we'll we don't want an industry we want a crazy new art art form which will reflect the new world we live in and if that's if you can take anything out of that for business um or enter the sort of enterprise that that you might be in then maybe that's that that's a positive rather than a, a depressing negative.
0: Thank goodness. Well, I and, and don't say another word, obviously, because uh, that would seem like a really good thing to end on, like a positive. But you've given you've loads of positives. Um, and it's, um, it should have shaken people's brains up. And um, like I say, we, we, we could all be um, we could all have some really nice moments when we take away some of the, the kind of, um, what do you call them? Tracks that we've got in our heads that are are taking us along certain routes without us getting off and having a look at the, (laughs) at the mountain streams and having a bar of chocolate. Yeah,
1: yeah. Bar chocolate, mountain streams. Yeah, exactly. I I think that's
0: how we wrap this up. That's absolutely beautiful. No, we don't. This is how we wrap this up. Um, There's a lot that Peter has, a huge amount that you can dig right down into with every, practically every single sentence that comes out of Peter's mouth. But he has delightfully produced this uh, series of videos. You just need to go to his YouTube channel. Um, Peter, tell us exactly what that is. Peter John Cooper. Peter John Cooper.
1: Peter John Cooper. Look up Peter John Cooper. Uh, there is only two Peter John well there are three Peter John Coopers in the world. One of which is the bloke who invented custard powder in New York in the early nineteenth century, and there's a museum to him in New New York. Not him, uh, but generally Peter John Cooper on YouTube, and one of one of the the channels on my YouTube channel. Uh, is called Blood and Bones, and that's my, uh, it's a couple of years old now, but that's my definitive thinking, definitive, uh, my thinking about what it was like to be, or what it is like to be, a playwright in the 21st century. And a lot of what I've spoken about today uh, is in a great deal more detail there, might be worth if you've got half Fabulous. an hour in there. If you've,
0: got, if you've got absolutely nothing else to do. Nothing might, else to do. You or just,
1: you can watch yeah. my lockdown videos, which involve me underwater swimming in front of a green screen.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, seriously, honestly, just get, just get, get hooked in, get hooked in to the crazy world of Peter John Cooper, um, because uh, yeah, you, you'll like it. and
1: subscribe.
0: <laughs> like and subscribe um, and obviously he's already said it's on facebook as well so uh you know I, I don't want to enter that conversation about how i feel about the various social media channels i'm as confused as i ever was about my feelings about all of them really so it's a, it's a never-ending evolving uh, journey which is life so let's uh, wrap up now as they say thank you thank you thank you um i know there's a lot of Little gems that, actually, big gems, and I know that we'll continue this conversation, whether I like
1: it, yeah, whether you like it or not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you.
1: It's been an absolute joy, Tricia. I I always love talking to you, and you've you've got a lot of wisdom yourself. So, good.
0: Yes. Take action. Try this one, two things. One's a mindset thing, one's an action thing. Well, they're both actions, aren't they? So, mindset wise, how about really thinking have you got any baggage left over that is making you kind of undervalue what you do, not necessarily see it as the wonderful thing that it is? Okay. Think of Peter's story about his dad. Number two, action. Why don't you set up some kind of a feedback loop brainstorming session? Really, really use that collaborative process and see what happens with your mountain streams. And remember, real you doing real communication will really engage real people. Result. By the way, all the show notes are over at trishalewis.com forward slash podcast You'll get your key takeaways and points from this episode and any resources and links that have been mentioned and details about the wonderful person that I've been interviewing or just myself if I've been talking to myself. Okay, catch up with the next episode. Subscribe so you know when they're ready and just keep this conversation going. In real Never be. the yeah.